Hello, cryptid-loving listeners. As a friendly reminder from us here at the Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast, we frequently make crude jokes, sprinkle our sentences with naughty words, and discuss mature content. Most of which may not be appropriate for all age groups. Listener discretion is advised. Now please enjoy. In the heart of London stands a fortress where the tragedies of the past have left spirits from those victims trapped. The Tower of London has been a fortress, a palace, a prison, and a place of execution for centuries. It has witnessed many bloody events and tragedies that have left its paranormal stain on its walls. Who are these restless spirits, and what are their stories? And what is this state? <laughs> <laughs> Can't get it out! <laughs> Let's dive into the history and ghostly encounters to see what we can find out. You're listening to the Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast, home of all things cryptic, creepy, and mysterious. I am Josh. I continue to be Leonard. And each week we'll present to you a look into the mysterious, unexplained world around us. From odd creatures and unexplained beings to otherworldly encounters and visitors from our beyond. The beyond, <laughs> not our beyond. Whether you're a skeptic, a believer, or you're just plain curious, no worries, me and Lennon has got you. So join us as we explore the mysteries of our universe. Hold on, that's you, buddy. That's me. I jump right into it. <laughs> I'm just dancing. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, folks, <laughs> prefacing. This is a history fo- episode. Uh this is a history phone. It's a history it's phone. old. I can use it to call anybody from history. I don't really know. First what person this is. we're gonna talk to is a Julius Caesar. Hey, <laughs> hey, um, Tony Cutlet. So I did my best to hold back and uh, not bore the good people of the world with the history. How many pages of history do you have? Notice it said pages, not paragraphs. Yeah. We're just going <laughs> to jump right into it in... Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to build a pyramid, paint some paintings, and start a revolution. Get ready for Lennon's History Corner. Custom. Made. All right, here we go. <clears throat> now... <laughs> I was uh, really enjoying this last night and the other night researching. It's okay. I love history, and I didn't just wake up. I'm wide awake. (laughs) Perfect. This is going to be so good. The year is 1066. Duke of Normandy and future King of England, William the Conqueror, is on a warpath. His sights set for England. Holding in position at the mouth of the Dives River in Normandy... He and his army wait out the bad weather for their opportunity to cross the English Channel to strike the southeastern coast of England. Get him. His invasion force of 600 transport ships and 7,000 strong army were ready to take England. And on September 27th of 1066, their window opened. The weather had cleared, and they had made the journey across. So the, um, there's going to be a lot of yada yadas in this. But there was a really cool. There's a really cool bit about their crossing of the channel because like Did they you got separated. Yeah, you deleted it. But it had no like <laughs> significance to the story. Uh, Lenny needs a spinoff podcast where we reference a history <laughs> podcast so that you can just do your history itch. Call it Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, tangent history. Yeah. Go to Tangent History and you listen to him. So on the morning of his arrival on the twenty eighth. 
he took control of the English towns of Pevensley and Hastings and set up a bridgehead for his cavalry and infantry. Gotcha. Was there a battle in Hastings? There was. And this was is, it called the Battle of Hastings? Yes, this is the <laughs> Battle of Hastings. I'm proud of you. You know I'm the names. <laughs> William's invasion was legitimized by his claim to the English throne, one that he said was promised to him in 1051 by Edward the Confessor. Now, a man named Harry... <laughs> I thought you were say Edward the Confederate. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're like... 800 years shy of that. Hey, you know. Harold Godwinson, the Anglo-Saxon king of England at the time, had also sworn to honor this claim in 1064. But having been crowned king himself, William saw him as a usurper and intended to claim his throne. Harold began a nine-day, 250-mile march south to meet William's army. Nine times. Yes, gathering troops and supplies for the seasoned portion of his army on his way to meet the invasion force. The stage was set, the Battle of Hastings was about to commence, and the Norman conquest of England is underway. As much as I want to fully dive into the entirety of the Battle of Hastings, William the Conqueror and the Norman conquest of England, this is not the history podcast. And you've already lost me. Yes. I'm kidding. In the end of all of this, the Mm -hmm. end result, skipping through lots and lots of stuff, the end result is that Harold, the current king of mm-hmm. England, had been killed. He took an arrow to the damn eye. Ouch. Yeah. That's going to be Mark. Dead smarts. And William, Duke of Normandy, mm-hmm. the guy who was invading, just keeping everybody on track, uh, he had marched his Norman ass all the way to the king's throne and was crowned king on Christmas Day in 1066. Hilly, hilly. Yes. In the following years, William embarked on a bit of castle-building spree in strategic key areas around England. In an effort to quell the brewing rebellions and squash any and all future ones, one of these castles was a massive stone fortress in London's center. It would take 20 years to construct. It would tower above the London skyline and would be a symbol of the strength William had possessed in England. The Tower of London enters the stage. All right. Now, William's original tower was a large stone castle, but as the ages passed, many utilized and expanded upon its grandeur. Henry III and Edward I expanded on the castle in their next couple hundred years, adding to it large curtain walls with a series of small towers, as well as making the castle's moat larger. So at this point, as they're adding on to it, the castle, which was one structure, has now become uh, a concentric fortress so there's the structure in the center there's walls ringing around it there's a moat it's becoming this very um secure stronghold i like it and everybody's adding stuff to it and putting their mark on it and they're like they're there they're there put this here so it's kind of cool it's just like nothing matches it's all different designs it's he a, went with art deco or this dipshit went with fucking medieval well it is cool like that because yeah you do get all the different it's a his Huh? It's like different times in yeah. history, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the cool part about it. Um, one of the things I'll talk about when I get into the section later is like how adding on to it in certain spots just like kind of like not piecemeals it together, but um, it, we'll get into it later. It's interesting. Keep that all in mind. The tower was used as a stronghold for centuries, protecting the monarchy's possessions as well as themselves in times of trouble. And until the 1800s, armaments and armor were even made, tested, and stored there. Now, because of its incredible fortitude, the crown trusted their most valuable possessions there 
as well as the creation of all of the coins in England and the Tower Mint from Edward I until the 1800s. So it used to be the mint. To this day. The mint? The mint. The mint. And it was mint. It was painted mint green. Oh, (laughs) I want to live there now. (laughs) To this day, the crown jewels are stored and protected in the Tower of London. The tower became the prime location and residence for some of the 'er ne'er-do-wellers of the country for around 800 years as a prison. Because of its fortitude of keeping people out... It also did well at keeping people in. In a separate building from the luxurious apartments that royalty and other people of fancy would stay in, resided the prison, which during the Tudor age became the prime destination for anyone in the country suspected to be a threat to national security. It was even used for this means in the 1900s where the Cray twins were imprisoned and German spies were executed. Now, the Cray twins were some of the final... um, um, People to be present there before they were all taken off. Honestly, never heard of the Cray Twins. Never heard of Ronnie and Reggie Cray? Never. Okay. When you get some free time to watch um, movies or TV show, you should watch the movie Legend. Legend. It's about the Cray Twins. Tom Hardy. He plays the twin brothers. Okay. He plays each of them. <clears throat> and they were um, British gangsters. It's a really good movie. And their story. I think I know what you're talking about with yeah. the Tom Hardy. Yep. Um, isn't like one... That doesn't matter. I haven't seen I've seen like little clips here and there. Yeah, though. it's a very good movie for anyone. Everyone. Um Kratwins. The Tower of London has a long, intense history since its first stone was placed in the eleventh century. People from all walks of life through the centuries traveled through the fortress. They lived, suffered, coveted, protected, dined, starved, fucked, and built, died. financed, and of course died there. It's the centuries of history and energy directed into this location that makes its case for paranormal specters to still roam the ground so damn conceivable. Jumping into another historical specter. We're going to start with King Henry VIII, King of England from from 1509 (laughs) to 1547. 10, 15. Maybe 10, 15 years now, from 1509 to 1547. Now, King Henry VIII. You don't like history, but I know you know about King Henry VIII, right? I've never heard of him. Son of a bitch. He's I'm, the I'm guy. Kidding, okay. I'm <laughs> what do you know about him? He, he did what? He they had a lot of wives, and he was a... He was a fucking... He, I don't know. He was a fucking. He was a fucking. <laughs> he was doing a lot of fucking. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. I would have studied. There wasn't. I'm keeping <laughs> you involved. <laughs> King Henry VIII. His reputation from his later fat years or overshadows his earlier reign as king. When he was skinny. Where he was skinny, uh, fighting in wars as a fighting king, and he was widely accepted as a pretty damn good guy and king. Oh, he's the guy that went on like a boar hunt and then got like gored by a boar. And then he gave his um, kingdom to his, oh, wait, no. Younger gay I'm, brother. I'm, th- I'm thinking Baratheon. I'm yeah. sorry. My bad. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> younger gay brother. Yeah. Renly was gay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I missed that. It's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were making reference to no one of my brothers. I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Now, Henry VIII, his first marriage 
to Catherine of Aragon lasted for mm. 24 years. He married her when he got, um, the same year he got crowned king. Yes, one of five. Six. Six. But as Catherine had failed to produce him a male heir, one of her sole responsibilities to him amongst other political duties... How dare you? Again, and there's a lot of yada yas in this. <laughs> there's so much stuff about Henry VIII. This is like all... Oh, okay, all of it's got good stuff in it. How fucking dare you not give me an heir, you bitch? It was a big Off thing. Off with her honestly. head. You know, it's weird too, because like um, later on and even around then, like there's queens that are like... I get it. At, at, at the time, like... You want that son for to be king, but there was queens in England. There were lots of queens in England, you know. But whatever, there, there was just a queen in England. There was just a queen in England. Wow. Exactly. Now it's a different time. But yes, at the same time, this was a major issue for him. Uh, Twenty-four years of marriage, and she wasn't able to give him a son. Mm. They need to go on um, some kind of fraternal pills or something. <laughs> We'll soon find out. Maybe it wasn't Catherine, and maybe it was Henry the whole time. <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah. So Henry VIII was no stranger to mistresses during his first marriage. But when he began to grow frustrated with his lack of a son, he started to look elsewhere. The lady he chose was one of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting, a woman by the name of Anne Bolin. Anne or Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, not Bolin. Yes. <laughs> I did the pronunciation thing now. All right. She had no intention of being his mistress, however. She held her body and sexuality over him, telling him she was to be his queen or nothing. So she You manipulative free. bitch. Yeah, she was like, you want this big boy? <laughs> You're going to have to marry it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why she turned into a man. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he was a big boy. Uh, he was daily consuming upwards of 5,000 calories of meat, solely meat, a day. Um, the vegetables Jesus. and stuff was seen as poor people food. So 5,000 calories of meat a day. And um, by this time, he was uh, no longer fighting in wars. So he was sitting his fat ass so on he the was, bench. Yes, he was sedentary. How heavy was he? Uh, never said, but he 72 was stones. a big boy. He was a big boy. Can imagine five thousand calories and Robert you're sitting. Baratheon yeah. is a very good example, like uh, a menacing, towering man, but yeah. a huge guy. Um, so she held it over him that she was to be his queen or nothing. Now they had a series of correspondence, so through letters and stuff, and uh, their fifteen hundreds dirty talk through letters and poems got King Henry hot and heavy enough to hear out Anne Boleyn's Anne Boleyn's request to be his king. And after a lengthy and at times convoluted divorce trial, Henry VIII finally divorced Catherine of Aragon and married Anne Bol Boleyn. <laughs> Fucking, why am I doing that now? Hey, this is your uh, meeting. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll make sure to do it. Divorced no. Catherine of Aragon and no. married Anne Boleyn in 1533. Now, the divorce whole thing. Oh, wild. Popes were getting... Involved. Don't accept this, right? Yes, nobody. Yeah. Uh, he was gonna be allowed to do it, then he wasn't allowed to do it, and then all this just blah, 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 lots of shit for a couple of years. That's one issue I have with marriage. Like, mm. spend so much money to date a person. I'm sorry, marry a person, mm -hmm. and then if you ever want a divorce, you got to spend thousands of dollars to get rid of them. That that yeah. sounded meaner than I meant it. <laughs> 
It's, uh, yeah, it was definitely... Mutual a, getting rid of. It was definitely a lot harder back then because you had uh, the heavy <clears throat> influence of uh, religion into it, which... Um, Still do. Yeah. Some people stay married just because of religious right, right, beliefs. Right, right. But back then, it's not like the Pope was going to get involved. <laughs> like, back then. Well, <laughs> you never know. Um, so, finally was able to get divorced. He went through great hoops, jumped through the fucking most amount of hoops, hoops a person could just to divorce her so he could fuck uh, Anne. The power uh, of penis. So he finally Jesus. married her. They could finally get down to business. Now I wrote in your side note. Ugh, I'm picturing this fat guy trying to jump through hoops and just getting him stuck on his waist. <laughs> Probably. Sorry. Side note, knowing the backstory of everything Henry went through and did just so he could sleep with Anne Bolin... The post-nut clarity must have hit, like, a fucking freight train. Well, fuck. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, he went through a lot. The fast, fo- what? The post-nut uh, clarity? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> the f- now What's fa- that like? Um, never could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> fast forward three years into their marriage, and with four pregnancies and only one healthy child being produced, a, a daughter... Henry began to grow eyes for another, still seeking out his male heir. So he's only with her for three years. Four pregnancies and well, only she one healthy con- daughter. She sounds controlling and bitch-like. You know, you can't have this until we're married. Actually, that's fine. I- <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to be queen. She that's okay. She didn't want to be his mistress. I, I was, yeah. I know what you're saying. <laughs> she, yeah. It sounded sexist after I said it. I was like, I'm going to shut up. It's all good. <laughs> So he grew eyes for another, still seeking out his male heir. Now, by now, in Henry VIII's life, he began to grow dark. He had taken a bad spill off his horse in a jousting accident, and historians believe he suffered brain damage, which made him violent, aggressive, and the tyrant he is remembered for today. It was almost as if a switch had flipped in his head. CTE. Following this? Yeah, it could be. Um, But they think that it was because of this fall that he um, did all of the really bad things he did afterwards. Seriously, it sounds like CTE if it was a head injury. Yeah. Is uh, aggression and all that common afterwards? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how many of them are domestic abuse cases? <laughs> true. Very true. Now, Anne Boleyn's flirtatious nature was now used against her. Henry did not want to suffer another long, drawn-out divorce, and so with forced confessions from people at court, Anne, whether or not she did was accused of adultery and grounds for divorce. Sorry, not divorce. Henry had her <laughs> Henry had her head cut off. <laughs> that's that's a form of divorce. Yeah. She he divorced she her head, head from her body. <laughs> <laughs> um apparently she just had a flirtatious personality and apparently there was this one musician that was very fond of her and she was fond of talking with him. Whether or not she was actually fucking around or not, uh, he had a forced confession saying that, no, we did fuck around, and it was grounds for that. Um, yeah. Because Catherine of Aragon, there was no real issues in the relationship. There was It was hard for them to divorce and um, sell it. But with this, he was like, she is fucked up. Listen, some women are just friendly, and some guys perceive that as flirtatious. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes they're friendly, and the guys that don't perceive it as flirtatious... Are wrong for once. Sure. All and then sometimes I'm kidding. <laughs> I couldn't come up with scenarios. It's all good. Any more scenarios? You know, all the scenarios. You good? I'm good. Okay. I was good. <laughs> On May nineteenth of fifteen thirty six, 
Anne Boleyn was executed at the Tower Green. The next, very next day, Henry married his new wife, one of Anne's ladies-in-waiting. And that would be marriage number three of six. And uh, they'd all, we're not going to get into the rest of them, but that's maybe executions, all sorts of shit. Um, divorces. But no more history now. Ghost, spooky, spooky time, I said. <laughs> Anne Boleyn is dead. As I said, Anne Boleyn was executed at the tower, so it stands to reason that her ghost still lingers around the tower to this day. And one specter seen frequently is attributed to be Anne Boleyn herself. In 1864, a general at the tower, General Dundas, spotted a white specter who, resembl- who resembled the late Anne Boleyn. General Dundas, I have him too. You do? For like a hot second. Ooh. The ghost was moving towards a guard station in the same courtyard she was held in prior to her execution. Dundas watched as the ghost continued its path toward the guard, no feet touching the ground all the while. When the guard saw the woman moving at him and believing her to be a real person, he charged at her with his bayonet. That was the... <laughs> That's what I would do, too. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Who are you? Death. <laughs> no questions till after. Yeah. Oh, shit. That was the queen. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> I apologize. Should have asked a question. You know, I'm going to go put myself in timeout before you guys put me in handcuffs real quick. No, 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 no. <laughs> Keep my head on. I'll go timeout right now. <laughs> I'm going in timeout, I said. Stopping and looking back at the figure. Oh, I skipped a very important line. <laughs> Charged her with his bayonet. But instead of the woman stopping or moving away as he was, as was the guard's hope, he ran straight through the ghost. Stopping and looking back to figure out what the fuck just happened, he realized, oh shit, that's a ghost and fainted. Is it like Scoop? Yeah. He's like, dropped out. The whole scene was witnessed by General Dundas. Thankfully as the guard was charged by the court-martial with abandoning his post and fainting on duty. But Dundas testified in his favor at his trial. Another sighting of Anne Boleyn came one night in the late 1800s, when a light could be seen flickering from inside the locked chapel royale. The The captain of the guard was intent on finding the source. Searching everywhere, he ended up climbing a ladder to see inside the locked chapel. He was not prepared for what he was about to see. Inside, he witnessed a procession of people all clad in time period attire of the 1500s parading about inside of the chapel. How wild would that be? It would be insane. It would be pretty crazy. He saw women in dresses, knights in armor, and most importantly, the leader of the procession, Anne Boleyn. It was actually Ashton Kutcher. He was doing (laughs) an episode of Punked. It would be wild to see. Um, But they were all just waltzing around inside of it just to... I guess, a procession of it, and at the head was Anne Boleyn. He recognized her immediately from the countless portraits of her he had seen. He watched the procession for a short while until they slowly started to fade and disappear into the once again dark chapel. To the ever after. Ever after. The path. Parrots? The parrots. Damn it. The parrots chirped out with this horror. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! You're going to (laughs) die. The spectral form of Anne Boleyn is also consistently seen walking the path from the church to her grave below the altar. She paces the halls and corridors and is seen through the grounds, but in the form of a headless body. Only with every re- guy. <laughs> only recognizable by her feminine physique showcased in her portraits. Mm. Anne Boleyn's ghost is unique, too, as the tower is not the only place where her ghost is seen in England. There's also a few other um, actual locations uh, aside 
uh, offsite of the Tower of Shasin, which opens up avenues of what ties ghosts to locations. Is it a, like um, people always say it's um, like remember it's supernatural? You got to burn this one thing it's attached to. Mm-hmm. Um, if if ghosts are tied to locations through their objects or their uh, certain objects, maybe then it's um, multiple objects. It's not a singular thing. Maybe that's their doorway into our world to a location. You know, maybe know, there's multiple ghosts of the same person. Maybe, maybe when I die, I'll be in four different spots. True. Or you could have a residual and a intelligent. Fucked up. Can I ever meet the residual as the intelligent? That's wild. Just it, hey, I high five. <laughs> and now you're gonna leave me hanging? Oh, that's right. He's a residual. He's not aware. Yes. Hey, yeah. what are you doing here? No, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's the Spider-Man one. There it is. <laughs> and then two there's me in the background, like, <clears throat> fuck. <laughs> Which one? Um. <laughs> But Anne Boleyn is not nearly the only female feminine ghost seen at the tower. What other female feminine ghosts are at the tower? Hey, that's me. That's him. Um, I'm not the female feminine ghost. I didn't see you. Or it's not Tuesday night. <coughs> Thursday. Get right. How about the white lady? That's it. That's all I had. Fucking next. racist. No, because <laughs> of what she's wearing. Oh, jackass. okay. Woo. The white lady is a spirit that is said to haunt the white tower. Mm. The white tower. Don't know which tower is the White Tower. That's what they got nicknamed me. Salute <laughs> <laughs> you, sir. How's your back doing? Hurts. <laughs> Where is my mouth? There, yeah. The oldest and central structure within the Tower of London. Ah, finish the sentence. <laughs> Everyone's favorite game. <laughs> finish the sentence. <laughs> the White Tower has a long and bloody history, being the site of many executions. Prisons, imprisonments, and tortures. Small list. Numerous visitors, guards, and staff. Second list. <laughs> encountered list. apparition with one of the more famous encounters being by a guard in 1817. I'm going cross-eyed. I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> he claimed that he saw a woman dressed in white standing in the battlements of the White Tower. He challenged her, but she did not respond. He fired his rifle at her. But the bullet passed through and hit the wall behind her. He then fainted and found, and was found by his fellow guards. He was court-martialed for neglecting his duty, but he was added, acquitted when two guards testified that they had also seen the apparition. It almost sounds similar to the one you had. Oh, this is funny, too, because there's another one. <laughs> uh, these guards, um, how do I put this gently? Maybe they should man the fuck up and stop fainting so much at the sight of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> it's too much for my faint little heart. <laughs> I hope that wasn't, like, the same one. It was just two different stories from two different... It's two different you know? ones. And I have a third very different one as well, but very so they, similar. The they do. Time. They all just faint. They faint every time they see a ghost. Zoink, Scoob. Um, in 1964, Captain J.D. Dundas, <laughs> who lived in the tower, reported that he saw a headless woman in a white dress walking towards him in the corridor. He thought it was a prank, but when he reached out to touch her, his hand went right through her. Guess what he did? He ran off in terror. He didn't faint. Oh, At least he he's got him. some strong will. That's uh, right. Also, the ghost did speak to him that night. An EVP was recorded. said, You can't touch this big boy until you marry me. Anne Boleyn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love that when I put my glasses on, I see so clearly I can read better. It's almost like they're meant to help me. It's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, someday. Someday in about three weeks, I won't need glasses anymore. Like, great. Good for you. Do you want to know why, Lennon? I don't. You're taking a laser and like... My eye after they cut, you know, a little bit off and yeah. then they... You know, put it back. You just on. wanted to role play as James <laughs> Bond for a minute. You know, it's cool. Exactly. Uh, they can call me Laser Eye. <laughs> back to it. Sorry. In 1957, a young Noim. <laughs> What's a Noim? I can't wait to hear. <laughs> a young boy named. It was a mixture of boy named. Ah. A young boy named Billy. Saw a Billy. <laughs> Only Billy. <laughs> saw a woman in a white dress waving. To him from one of the windows of the White Tower. Oh, Billy. No. He, he waved back, but soon realized that the floor, that there was no floor in that part of the tower. He told his mother, who confirmed that the window was inaccessible. Then you have in 1986, a year before I was born, a group of tourists saw a woman in a white dress walking along the wall of the White Tower. They took a photo of her, then... Anybody watching this is like, why does he look like he's in pain? My leg is totally asleep. The whole thing, from ankle all the way up to nutsack. <laughs> very. I think that's a medical issue. I think you might be having a heart attack. It's very unpleasant. Very unpleasant. Hope it doesn't travel more center and we'll be good. Oh, oh good lord. I'm just sitting here talking, just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh. Billy, Billy said howdy. <laughs> Oh, God. She's so, so happy. <laughs> uh, they took a photo of her, but when they developed it, they saw that she had no face. <laughs> so she's a faceless woman. Not no head, no face. Yes. I want to see it. I couldn't find it. Okay. But anyways, the identity of the white lady is uncertain, but some candidates are Queen Elizabeth I, Lady Green Jay. <laughs> Jane Grey? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Jane Grey. Green Jay. <laughs> Arabella, sorry, Arbella Stewart, mm -hmm. Anne, Anne Boleyn, or as you like to call her, Bolin, or what did you call her? Anne Boleyn. Ah, Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, all of whom have connections to the tower and met a tragic end. Queen Elizabeth I was the daughter of King Henry VIII and his wife, Anne Boleyn. She became Queen of England in 1950. <laughs> she waited a long time, very long time. They just paraded the skeleton <laughs> out. And they're like, "Here's your queen. Here she is. Rejoice, Damn it. rejoice, peasants." Fifteen fifty eight is when she became queen of England. We've waited four hundred years for this day. <laughs> uh, after the death of her half sister Mary the first, a lot of firsts. Yeah. See, I mean, she did become queen in the end. You know, he didn't necessarily yeah. need as well. Right? Elizabeth was a successful and popular monarch who presided who presided over a golden age of culture, exploration, and naval power. List three. <laughs> she never minded. Never mind. She never married. <laughs> she never minded anything at all. She was so laissez-faire. You know, she was so good. She was also known as the Virgin Queen because uh -huh. she never married. Yes. She died at Richmond Palace in 1603. <laughs> I almost said 1903. And was buried in Westminster Abbey. Have you visited her yet? Um, not yet. How dare you. So here's the thing. I was trying to rack my brain around it. Um, I went to England when I was 16. 
can't remember if I think I went to the tower, but I only saw from outside. I don't oh. think we actually went in. Were you Billy? I was Billy. Did you AKA I Billy am that Billy. <laughs> There's something in the wind there. There's something on the wing. I cannot <laughs> see. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth was imprisoned in the tower by her half sister, Mary the First. In 1554, who had imprisoned her under the suspicion of treason, and she would later, and she later would visit the tower several times as queen. Mm-hmm. She also wore white as a symbol of her virginity and purity. I bet you she lied about that, and was known for her pale complexion and red hair. Mm-hmm. Damn redheads, they're wild. <laughs> What's she missing out on? Some have speculated that she might have returned to the tower as a spirit. Either one of regret for executing her her cousin Mary, (laughs) Queen of Scots, or out of loneliness for never marrying and fucking or having children. Mm. Oh, Mm. yeah. (laughs) You mean her? She went her whole life without just just once. She probably did. I mean, come on. She probably didn't. She probably. She probably. She probably hopped on that D once. The next one, Lady Jane Grey was the great-granddaughter of King Henry VII and a cousin of Edward VI, Mary I, and Elizabeth I. So he obviously had a son if it's Edward yes. VI. If you said that, I'm sorry. I might no, have, I did not. Okay. I, I might have would have loved that. to talk about all of the... <laughs> <laughs> she was a devout Protestant and was married to Lord Guilford. Lord Guilford Dudley. That's right. The son of a plumber. No, the son of Duke of... <laughs> that, that's a no-no. They never allowed that stuff. <laughs> the son of Duke of Northumberland. They will make North- you marry a relative before you marry a commoner. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. No plumbers here, no electrons. <laughs> electrons. <laughs> or neutrons. <laughs> <laughs> Only protons. That's right. Uh, he was the Duke of Northumberland. One is not the word. On his deathbed, Edward named Jane his as his heir, bypassing his half sisters, Mary and Elizabeth, who, <laughs> sorry, who were both Catholic. Jane was proclaimed queen in on July tenth, fifteen fifty three, but her reign lasted only nine days as Mary gathered support and out, overthrew her. Nine fucking days. Mm-hmm. Jane and her husband were imprisoned in the Tower of London and ex- executed for treason in 1554. Some believe that Lady Jane's spirit returned to the Tower as the White Lady, either out of sour... <laughs> sorrow. <laughs> she was sour. She was searching for sour patch kids. <laughs> got any? No? How about a warhead? I got a warhead. Sour. Anything sour. Gone. What'd you say? Oh, the commercial, yes. Either out of... Sorrow mm. for her lost crown or out of resentment for her unjust death. That's kind of the thing back then, though. Like, if you want the crown, you just take it. Like, yes. That's mine. Wait till you hear about my next segment. You're going to oh, love it. I can't wait. Some have suggested that she wore white as a symbol of faith. Additionally, some have pointed out that the famous painting of Lady Jane's execution by... Oh, this is one I didn't do. All right. Paul Delaroche. I think that's right. Very good, Seth. I know. I did that without help. <laughs> Shows <Big> her boy. <laughs> Finally. Shows her wearing a white garment during her execution. Yeah. Similar to that worn by Marie Antoinette at her execution in 1793. Mm. But this painting 
is historically inaccurate and was influenced by the restoration of the French monarch after the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. So, so do with that as you will. <laughs> <I know. laughs> now we have Lady Air Air mm, Lady Arbella Ar- Arbella. God damn it! It's the easiest name I have in here. Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Arbella Stewart, who was the granddaughter of Margaret Douglas. Uh, You know that old bird. (laughs) I know Margaret Douglas. I don't. Sorry, that was a terrible joke. Anyways, Lady Arbella Stewart, who was the granddaughter of Margaret Douglas, the daughter of King Henry VIII's sister, Margaret Tudor. 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 My bad. Tudor. I tried to give it a little flair, I guess. (laughs) Tudor, huh? Arbella had a claim to the throne and was considered a potential successor by some. She married William Seymour, but the grandson of Henry VIII's daughter married Tudor. Tudor! Tudor! Why can't I get Tudor in secret? Without the king's permission. This angered James, who saw their union as a threat to his dynasty. Arbella and her husband tried to escape to France, but were captured in prison in the Tower of London, where Arabella died in 1615. Mm. <laughs> Croaked. Some believe that Arabella's, Arabella's spirit returns to the Tower as the White Lady, either out of sorrow for her love, love, lost love or out of resentment for her unjust imprisonment. Mm. That seems to be a theme here. Yeah. She was also known her beauty and elegance. And some have suggested that she wore white as a symbol of her innocence. Mm, they're always doing that. Oh, I'm going to start wearing white now. <laughs> now we have Anne Boleyn, which Lennon discussed above. Above. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Above. Because it was in your notes. Yes. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Dumbass. Repeat last line. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Anne Boleyn who Lennon discussed above, I meant earlier, had a darker complexion than the typical English beauty standard at the time. She was described as having a beauty not so whitely as clear and fresh by George White. Wyatt. I don't know who the fuck that is. but <laughs> You don't know who George Wyatt is? I don't. Uh, Do you? Yeah. Who? He was a writer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? I don't know. Oh, God damn it. Uh, a relative of one of her admirers. Mm. I should have finished the line again. Guess that line. <laughs> Finish the sentence. <laughs> it's speculated she might have had some Moorish ancestry from her maternal grandmother, Elizabeth Tilney. I skipped that one. Mm. Some believe that Anne's spirit returned to the tower as the white lady, either out of sorrow for her lost crown or out of resentment for her... Finish that line. Untimely death. death. (laughs) She was also known for her elegant style. I think I just rewrote that. Anyways, you get the point. Anne Boleyn was one of them. You went all into that. Whoever the white lady is, her presence is... I just yada yada that, yes. (laughs) Whoever the white lady is, her presence is usually announced by the overwhelming smell of a pungent perfume. Some have described her as a full-bodied apparition, while others have only seen glimpses, felt a cold chill in the air, or have heard faint sobs and moaning. Can I get a good moan? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it's Anne Boleyn with the perfume because, you know, she was a seductress. She was. Yeah. She was. So she, she was, was like, "Ooh, my perfume." Uh, I want to. I want to give you one little thing that I forgot about about their Absolutely. spicy love letters. Yes, uh, ladies, if you're interested in hearing uh, stuff similar to Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Henry VIII told her that he wanted to kiss her pretty little duckies. Take that however you want. <laughs> <laughs> was he in a foot fetish? Uh, or there was legitimately a line from it. There, so there's Duckies. 15 surviving letters of their correspondence and uh, sexual uh, writing back and forth. Uh, they are in the Vatican archives. Does that work, ladies? If I said I want to kiss your pretty little duckies, it's also. <laughs> also uh, could you please tell me what that means that I'm kissing? Because it's kind of. I'm not a foot person. I don't want to kiss oh, your feet. Oh, fuck. This is funny shit. She saw it. She was like, yeah. I want you to kiss my duckies, too. Kiss my duckies, bitch. What are duckies? I don't know. It could I'm be a- either. Um, it could be anything. It could be anything. I'm thinking either nipples or feet. And- right. Well, okay. Not the feet, but the other one, sure. <laughs> but we're not talking about him because you wouldn't call him duckies. It's singular, yes. Yeah. I'll say I'll kiss your ducky, but <laughs> wow, let's we get back on track here from the sexual talk. That. You were talking about how hey, she Anne is. Boleyn is still in our conversation today, apparently. Yes, she is. She's driving guys wild. Now, seeing her is often considered a bad omen. We're back to the white lady, not Anne Boleyn. Seeing her is often considered a bad omen, as her appearances are linked to periods of national crisis or tragedy. She is said to instill fear or unease in those who encounter her, as all the men fucking faint, mm. especially men, whom she may blame for her misfortunes. Now, the White Lady is one of the most well-known ghosts of the White of the Tower of London and attracts more curious visitors who are fascinated by the paranormal. The White Lady serves as a reminder of the dark and violent past of the Tower of England. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the only one. What about the Bloody Tower? I don't know. I, I didn't transition that. Now, the Tower of London, despite its name, is made up of 21 total towers. Of these towers, one stands out from the rest in legend. This is known as the Bloody Tower. Bloody hell. Originally named the Garden Tower, it was added to the fortress in the early 1220s by King Henry III. The Garden Tower was constructed as the main river entrance to the complex, but was left landlocked and obsolete after 1280 with the addition of an outer defensive wall. It would then serve as the primary entry point from the inner and outer wards. Within this tower, the lower levels were fine, luxurious lodgings, while the upper opened up to the former constable's garden, thus its namesake. Oh, I'm going to kiss your garden. Oh, no, that's got actual things, <laughs> connotation. <laughs> that's got more connotation than Shit. duckies. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I want to kiss your foo-foo. <laughs> oh, but it would soon <laughs> claim the dark title of the Bloody Tower. The name change begins with an incident in 1483. Edward IV had died, and let it be known upon his death that his son Edward V would rule as king when he was of age, but not until that time. But Edward the Fourth was upset. No, he was dead. <clears throat> Edward the Third was upset. No, he was also dead. Edward the Fourth died. What about the died. second? 
I, we're going the wrong way. <laughs> Fuck. Edward V would That's be king. That's how this works. Well, only when he was old enough. He was 13. Right, right, right. So until that time, his uncle, Richard, Duke of Gloucester. Uncle Richard? Uncle Richard, Duke <laughs> of Gloucester, would uh, govern in his place as Lord Protector. And in 1483, the title was officially given to the Duke, to Richard, Duke of Gloucester, until the 13-year-old Edward V was of age. Now, during this power change, there was a very complex power struggle which weaves between allegiances, family ties, and different factions. It's very Game of Thrones at this point. There's right. a lot of shit during this. Didn't get into it. So what's, what's uh, Richard's incentive to give up the crown then? He's not. He doesn't have the crown. Okay, I'm sorry. That's I, the I thought it was like a temporary step in. My bad. It is. It's like um, Game of Thrones. Remember when Tywin rules in Tommen's place? Okay. Until Tolman's old enough. It's exactly that. Except imagine if Tywin now said, yeah, um, Tolman, you're never going to be king because I'm king now. Fuck bitch. off, Tolman. That's basically how it is. Um, because of this, and in the meantime, you've got your Littlefingers, you've got your Tyrions, you've got your fucking Daenerys's. Everybody's like kind of interweaving in because now there's a power Wait struggle. Wait a minute. There's a Daenerys? I wish. Is that Anne Boleyn? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so... Um, it's very Game of Thrones. Got it. Many of Edward the Fourth, the father who died. Yes. Many of Edward the Fourth's friends and family were either accused of treason, executed, or forced to flee. Wonder why. Exactly. Amongst these select people were Edward the Fourth's wife, daughters, and other son, Richard, Duke of York. So you've got Uncle Richard, Lord Protector. Ooh. Holy Richards. You've got Edward V, who, 13-year-old, supposed to be king, and his younger brother, Richard, Duke of York, who's 10. Jesus. Those are the only names you can remember right now. I want to be a lord at the age of 13. Right. Um, I had to wait till the age you, of 35. Exactly. Did you watch, um, did you watch, did you watch House of the Dragon? I did not. I watched, like, one episode. I was like, yeah. Okay. Well, this mirrors that very similarly. Um, two brothers. Um, so... Amongst, two brothers. Yes. Ed, well, yeah. <laughs> that mirrors it. Two brothers. I don't want to spoil it for you. Edward V remained housed in the Tower of London's luxury quarters in the Bloody Tower, waiting for his time to rule as king when he was of age. He grew lonely and urged his mother to allow his younger 10-year-old brother to come stay with him at the Tower, and against her better judgment, she obliged. Now, she sensed something that just might not be right. She knew that well, because everybody was leaving, um, who was sympathized with Edward IV. Um, she took her uh, daughters and Richard out of the city. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I think she went to Westminster, to be honest with you. But anyway, she knew something was not too right, so she didn't want to send Richard there. She didn't even like having Edward there, but she felt bad for her son, so she sent her other son to keep him company because he was alone there at the time. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah, so Richard hold me. Hold me. <laughs> so we have Richard, Duke of Gloucester, as Lord Protector, 13-year-old Edward V, and 10-year-old Richard, Duke of York, living at the Tower. Just following yep. along. So everybody's got it. The end result of this power struggle chaos was that Richard, Lord Protector, had become crowned King Richard III in his nephew's place. Like Tywin, mm-hmm. if he had just said, fuck off, this is mine now. <laughs> so he took the king's position and didn't want to let it go. Uh, and after rumors had spread about the illegitimacy of the young prince's claim to the throne, suggesting that they were bastards, now in a very Game of Thrones turn of events, 
the princes suddenly became less frequently seen in the tower. They weren't seen in their usual spots playing together, not roaming the corridors or grounds. They actually were never seen again, for that matter. They were vanished. They were undead. Or What? Unalive. Someday. Someday. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> the last confirmed sighting of the two young princes was in June of 1483. History's accepted explanation and course of events was that in the late summer of 1483, the two boys were murdered. Whether it was Richard III or some of the other people who would benefit from their demise, the fact of the matter is that these two young princes vanished and were never seen again. Now, if you believe it was Richard III responsible, raise your hand. Rejoice as he was killed in Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485, a few years later. Defeated by Henry Tudor, who would become Henry VII, full circle, Henry VIII's father. Oh, baby. Although it would have been, although it could have been Henry VII, too, who issued the death order. Lots of fucking power factions. People could have, lots of people had uh, a motive for killing the two. Mm. Fast forward a few hundred years. To could you s- imagine just killing kids so that you could be in power? Yeah, it's fucked up. And it like it if was Richard, deemed as okay, right? If Richard the Third had done that, he died three years later in battle when mm. fucking Edward the Fifth would have been old enough to fucking be king. So you know, it's it is what it is. It's it was fucked up. fucked up back then. No, hey, you know what? Their hair, their air, sorry, not hair. <laughs> their hair was beautiful, but their air was supposed to be my wife. And that's why. That's why I got nobody. I'm, okay. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Fast forward a few hundred years to 1674. An upper staircase leading to the White Tower is being demolished when an elm chest is discovered buried underneath the staircase 10 feet down. Inside the chest are the skeletons of two small humans. Initially discarded, it was then given a double take. Everyone was like, wait a tick. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, okay, we know what this is. Um, an account from the day goes as follows. Okay. About ten foot in the ground were found the bones of two striplings and, as it seemed, a wooden chest, which upon the survey were found proportionable to ages of those two brothers about 13 and 11 years old. The skull of one being entire, the other broken, as were intended, as were indeed many of the other bones. Also the chest, by the violence of the laborers who cast the rubbish in them away together, wherefore they were caused to sift the rubbish and by that means preserve all the bones. So basically they found these, the um, skeletons had uh, signs of uh, violence done to them. Oh. Uh, but also some of it was from them throwing them away, not gotcha. paying any attention to it until they're like, fuck, that's, uh, <laughs> we know what this is. So the two sets of remains believed to be the princes were then sorted and placed in a specially crafted marble container and set to rest next to their sister, Elizabeth of York, in the chapel at Westminster Abbey. So they found they did get their proper burial. Right. Now but the bloody... To me confirms that Richard did it. Old dickhead did it. Somebody killed them. There was, yeah, There's. it's just who... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people had motivated. Come on. There's a lot I skipped. <laughs> There's a lot of information. As well as this horrific event of possible nepoticide, many people who would one day be labeled enemies of the state stayed there. Those who would go on to be tortured and executed once sought shelter and comfort within the walls of the Bloody Tower as, because it was the luxurious apartments. Mm-hmm. Another massive historical source of energy exuded into the Tower of the Centuries to fuel the supernatural flame Many ghosts are seen within the Bloody Tower. The spectral forms of the two young princes are often seen walking up and down the stairs adorned in their white nightgowns before fading into walls. 
Sightings of them are as far back as even a few years after their disappearance. They can often be heard echoing from... They can often be heard echoing around the halls of the tower and sometimes spotted holding onto each other in terror, likely a residual type haunting from the night of their murder. Mm. Now, explorer Sir Walter Riley was imprisoned in the tower three separate times. On one of these times, he spent 13 years in the Bloody Tower and even tried to commit suicide there. Bloody hell. His final imprisonment at the tower ended with his beheading in 1618. Now, Sir Walter Riley, the explorer, he... uh, he was no ordinary prisoner. He was treated differently. He got a special apartment. He was just not allowed to leave. He was allowed to have servants. He was allowed to have food, visitors, hmm. books. Um, his wife and kids came. His mistresses came, I think. Um, he had servants there and stuff, and he would go out and, like, exercise and stuff. But his imprisonment was basically, like, a permanent apartment. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's so. Sad, but oh, It's like house arrest. Pretty much, like yes. That's a very good yeah, way of putting it. So, <clears throat> uh Walter Riley stayed in the Bloody Tower during his 13 years. Um, He, too, is seen frequently within the Bloody Tower. Recorded sightings from constables since his death have noted seeing Sir Walter Riley's ghost clutching his bloody head in his hands as he was (laughs) head cut off. (laughs) uh, Hello! (laughs) Can we do something about this? (laughs) Um, Why do they always have him clutching their head, though? Well, when when they're... Your head is cut off as a ghost. Why are you holding your head? Like, well, just trying to. You weren't you holding it, it as on. alive. Do you remember um, Saving Private Ryan? The guy gets his arm blown off and he I picks it up. I've never seen it. Okay, the guy gets his arm blown off on D Day and he picks it up and he's just walking around with it. He, okay. That's your arm, though. Your head's off. You're dead. You're not walking around with it. Sure, but I'm sure you want it back on. And maybe they're not smart enough. <laughs> I just Maybe it's a perpetual type just, of shock. I'm just trying to figure out why they'd be carrying their head as a ghost if it's a residual. Well, otherwise it'd just be a ghost head floating around or a ghost, or a ghost body, body floating. Headless, I would think it would be a headless body. Sure. Or because the residual happened before the head was off. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's an intelligent haunt, I just would think it'd be a headless body. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just always questioning that a lot in this mm-hmm. research. Like, Why are they carrying their fucking head around? Hey, look at this. They want it back on. <laughs> Recorded sightings from constables since his death have noted seeing Sir Walter Riley's ghost clutching his bloody head in his hands. Some constables again have been recorded to faint at this sight. No. Most sightings of Riley are that of a headless man roaming around, not just clutching his head. Okay, that, that One such sense. sighting from a private James Godson in 1893 is a bit of a doozy. Godson was finishing up his shift at the Trader's Gate at 310 in the morning. Nearby guards heard a gunshot rang out and ran to the source to find Godson passed out on the ground. Jesus, they're all passing out. When he came to, he told them of the approaching cart that he saw from the darkness. He beckoned for the cart's driver to stop, whoever it was shrouded in darkness. The cart persisted into the light to reveal a headless body dripping blood inside the cart. Still couldn't Mm. see who was pushing it, but the cart was coming. Uh, He raised his gun and called out again to stop, but then the cart disappeared. Moments later, a man clad in century-accurate attire for Riley's time appeared. Only this man was headless. He marched toward the freaked-out Godson. He yelled again to fucking stop, but the ghost kept on coming. Godson could see something clutched under the ghost's arms. It was the specter's head, dripping blood and eyes rolling around within. Godson hit the fuck it button and fired at the now-suspected ghost of Sir Walter Riley. Then passed out from terror. (laughs) All about the past. All, all, 
I'll accept the passing out. That that would be like, do you picture a head? I'm trying to say, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> if you saw a ghost carrying a head, yeah, legitimately, and it was fucking eyes just going, whoa, whoa. Yeah, dude, this shit would be fucking wild, <laughs> right? That would be insane. Would you pass out though? I mean, a real man passes out apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. It's crazy. It is wild. And then he passed out. It is. Bad. And then he passed out. And then just all the guards. Just so the, was like, the one, <laughs> the one where the guy uh, charged at the ghost and ran right through it. I was hoping. I was like, next sentence. I was like, please run into a wall and just fucking <laughs> clogged out. <laughs> that um, would be much more manly than or. Uh, much more acceptable to pass out then. Mm-hmm. You just knocked your fucking head off. Yeah. Well, that's the bloody tower. What other towers got issues? Uh, well, next we travel to the Bowshaw Tower. The what tower? The Bowshaw Tower. Okay. Yes, I looked it up. That is. No, I believe oh, you. Oh, okay. Because the the you know, the way it's spelled is really fucking weird. Yeah, no, no. I'm not saying I don't believe you. I just wouldn't have pronounced it myself that way. Neither would I. Got it. <laughs> um. So it is the Bowshaw Tower because yeah. the P is silent. All right. Why did you put the P in then? Get the P out. Which was built in the late 13th century by King Edward I as part of the inner defense wall. The tower was named after Thomas Bowshaw, Earl of Warwick, who was imprisoned there in, 19, in 1397. <laughs> Fuck. For rebelling against King Richard II. The tower was used as a prison for many high-ranking and noble captives, especially during the 16th and 17th century, when England was torn by religious and political conflicts. Some of the prisoners carved graffiti on the walls of the tower, expressing their names, dates, messages, symbols. I'm sure there's a couple middle fingers in there, you know. There was a a peach drawn. I don't know what the peach was for. Someone wrote, wrote, fuck Edward, and then centuries later... Which one? (laughs) Someone just said, duckies. (laughs) Don't know what that was about. Um, These inscriptions are still visible today, and they portray a glimpse. Nope, they don't portray a glimpse. They provide a glimpse into the lives and thoughts of the people who were held there. Some of the famous prisoners who left their mark on Bowshaw Tower include (gasps) Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, and his brothers, who were imprisoned in 1553 for supporting Lady Jane Grey's claim to the throne, Dudley carved a complex design of his family's coat of arms surrounded by flowers representing his brother's name. Dope. Do you know we have a coat of arms? I do. I don't know what it is. It's kind of cool. Do you know what I'll it is? You, yeah, I'll show you sometime. Oh, let's put it in the fucking... Let's, hey, royalty here. Hey. With less killing. Hey. A lot less killing. Like... Zero. <laughs> <laughs> you have Thomas Abel, Champlain, Champlain. I'm trying to say Chaplin. No, I'm I saying Champagne. I was laughing because I started thinking the Abel brothers. No, I was. <laughs> I, I was too every time I read this. Um, but now I'm going to say Chaplin. Ah. There we go. I said it to Catherine of Aragon, who was executed in 1540 for refusing to accept King Henry VIII's divorce and supremacy over the church. Uh, the third Abel brother, no, Abel carved a Latin verse from Psalm 119. O Lord, thou hast proved me and known me. Hey, last. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <man. laughs> now the last one we're going to talk about is Philip Howard, Earl of Arundel. 
who was imprisoned in 1584. <laughs> I almost said four, so I had to say four. 1585 for being a Catholic and plotting against Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth I. Howard carved his name and the words, The more suffering for Christ in this world, the more glory with Christ in the next. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we could ask how that turned out. The Bowshaw Tower is also notorious for its ghostly activity, as many of the prisoners who died in the tower are said to haunt there. It is said that you can hear the sounds of women sobbing. It is believed to be Lady Jane Rochford, who was executed in 1542 for her role in the downfall of, sorry, yeah, in the downfall of her husband, George Boleyn, and her sister-in-law, Anne Boleyn. Mm. There are, is a sighting of a headless woman believed to be the Countess of Salisbury, who was hacked to pieces by the executioner in 1541 after she resisted her sentence. She resisted her sentence of death, so they hacked her to pieces. Yeah, you still die anyway. Exactly. <laughs> You'll see a weeping man. He's just a guard that saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you'll see a weeping man believed to be Lord Guilford Dudley, who was executed in 1554 for being the husband of Lady, Grange, uh, Lady Jane Grey. <laughs> Wait, you get executed for being the husband of somebody? Shit. He is said to uh, have carved the words Jane in the wall, which is still visible to this day. He's probably just cursing her fucking Jane. Jesus. You'll hear the sounds of footsteps, voices, hey, and chains. I got nothing. Believed to be the echoes of the prisoners who were tortured and interrogated within this tower. The Bowshaw Tower is a fascinating, eerie place to visit. If you are brave enough, Lennon, you can explore the tower and see the graffiti and the ghosts for yourself. Just be careful not to disturb the restless spirits who may still linger within those walls. I'll tell you, I'm brave enough to explore the tower, not brave enough to hop on another flight over. That's true. That scares me more. I I don't want to. My blood pressure is going to go up. (laughs) You already flew to Mexico. I know, and I hated every fucking minute of it. Loving every minute of it. No, 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 no. Well, um, <clears throat> I wish uh, wish you weren't as scared as flights as you are. Yeah. A lot of great places to go. Yes. You went to London at 16, you said, and you mm-hmm. went to England. Yeah. So how did you do there? Just don't, like, sleep? Did uh, you, you saying get on the knocked flight? out? Yeah. Flight? Um, I did not sleep the night before we left. Okay. Um, so I deprived myself of sleep as much as possible. Um, that was the first flight that I had taken as um, a cognitive being, because apparently when yeah. I was like a baby, I flew. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous about it. Uh, we also flew at night. Okay, so you couldn't see shit. Yep, so uh, over the ocean. So Ugh. pitch fucking black. But yeah, you think that made me feel good too? No, um, that's, that's the one that would creep me out. So I haven't gone overseas, but anyways, yeah. not about um, me. It's about you right now. I deprived myself of sleep for the seven-hour flight. I slept maybe an hour and 45 minutes of it, and uh, I just had to bite my fucking lip and get through watching movies on the flight, and it was rough. So what what scares you about flying? Um, this is your uh, counseling session for the night. Great. Uh, I'm not good at um, – I don't like being trapped – um, it's not, it's kind of a claustrophobic type, type thing. Uh, elevators, I don't do elevators. Um, but I didn't know that either. Roller coasters, um, stuff like that. It's the fact that I am 
locked into something that I cannot get out of, and I have no control over it, and that's a big fear for me. Um, um, control. It was, yeah. Not, not in that like, sense, control just, over yes. myself. Like, yeah. I can't just say, like, if I'm driving in the car with somebody... I can sure I can bail out, but like I could when they stop, I can get out of the car if I'm unsafe or not unsafe. If I'm if I'm not mm-hmm. comfortable, can't fucking get out of a plane that easy. I mean, you can if you're DB Cooper, you can. <laughs> you can, but um, which on the next Patreon we gotta talk about the new evidence about that. Okay. Um, spoiler so, for next Patreon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of a, that kind of a control thing. But also, I'm not afraid of uh, heights. I'm afraid of the sudden impact from heights. So I, I will stand at the top of a fire tower at the top of a mountain fine by me um but when the plane is suddenly losing 200 feet and we're down and then we're up and then we're shaking everywhere and stuff uh yeah don't do that just remember if a plane crashes which i hope it never does with any of us on it but if it does it is so instant that you're not gonna fucking feel a thing no, it's not there's a lot of survivors a lot of times <laughs> no 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 it's it's we're gonna say it's instant great what do you mean there's a lot of survivors there's, so, there's often survivors in plane crashes the small ones, yeah. When you land on another fucking plane, or when the door just flies off the plane, that's normal. What about the the rugby team in the Indies? Uh, they went cannibalistic, though. They did, but wasn't that a smaller plane, not like a jet engine? You're like you're not going on a private plane. No offense, we're not that rich. Um, what about Sully? Oh, I don't know this one. What's that? Captain Sully landed uh, in the Hudson. Anybody die? Not a single person died. Anybody get injured? I'm sure there's minor injuries. They, All right, they, then. He, he successfully landed a jet airliner. And they got in trouble in, for it. In the Hudson River. He was cleared of it, though. Good. Yeah. But, yeah, but I'm talking about fucking like, planes. I'm yeah. talking about plane crash. I'm fucking new planes. Talk, <laughs> I'm not talking about an emergency landing. It's technically a plane crash. It's a water landing. <laughs> this is your plane crash tangent for the day. I fucking... I'm getting very just, uncomfortable. Look at how much he squirmed and he's... Fucking, like, touching his face. And get very uncomfortable <laughs> about it. Um, I know. Uh, we'll go back to talking about my LASIK surgery on February 20th. It's still not comfortable. Uh, I want to talk to you about King Henry VIII's armor. He's like, just um, shut up. I want to talk King, about King Henry, Henry VIII's armor <laughs> is on display at the Tower of London. Uh, one guard uh, talked about how he was approaching it, and he feels this malevolent, dark presence around it. And he boy. said he felt like there was this cloak that got suddenly wrapped around him, around mm-hmm. his neck and his head, and it was, like, suffocating him. He said it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter until he like felt like he was about to lose consciousness, and then it just went away. But there's this, this malicious, dark entity that is mm-hmm. um, felt and experienced around the whole grounds. But he said, this one guard said that he experienced that experience and also gets the worst feeling by King Henry the uh, massive armor. So do you think because of all the negative events that happened there that is more malevolent shit? Oh, hands just down. Just the dead, um, dead people? Oh, I still had the Phantom Bear. Never mind. <laughs> I thought we were doing that segment right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I started, started breaching into Final Thoughts territory. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was my sign to shut up about that. Yes, I do. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Let me tell you about the Phantom Bear real quick. Do it. And then you can do whatever you want. Great. Uh, the Phantom Bear is a ghostly apparition that is said to haunt the Martin Tower, where the crown jewels are kept. According to legend, the bear is the spirit of Old Martin, a large grizzly bear that was given to King George III by the Hudson Bay Company in 1811. Classic. I want a bear for a gift. No, Fuck. you don't. Oh, I do. Those things are ch- fucking monsters. Chained up somewhere, not like, well, that's just mean. God damn it. You're a bad person. <laughs> well, not as bad as these fuckers. 
The bear lived in the tower's menagerie until it died in 1834. I almost said menage a trois. Self-inflicted gunshot The bear menage a trois. <laughs> 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 in eighteen sixteen, one of the most famous sightings of the Phantom Bear occurred. One night, huh, while a guard was on night duty, he saw a cloud of smoke that formed into a bear like creature with a human face that had a demonic expression. The guard tried to stab the bear with his bayonet, but it passed through it and stuck in the door behind it. <laughs> yeah, oh shit. <laughs> Mother yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can't get it out. <laughs> A fellow... <laughs> give me a second. You got a rocket. <laughs> a fellow sentinel reported he'd seen the guard just before that night's sighting. He was awake and alert, which removed the possibility that the guard might have fallen asleep and dreamt this encounter. Yeah. The guard suddenly died a couple of days later. The one that saw the bear that stuck the door with the fucking bayonet. So maybe... Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Maybe it's some head probably hallucinated this thing. Yeah. But it is said that the bear was mostly, most likely the culprit of having experienced extreme trauma in its life. It began, became an angry spirit in death. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If there's only one account of this fucking man bear, the old man bear. The old man bear thing. <laughs> I would say, he, and he died a couple days later, maybe he just wasn't right in the head. Yeah, Maybe he, might he had, like, a tumor or something. It's you know? not a tumor. It might have been a tumor. Yeah, it could have been a tumor. It, uh, it would make sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, some kind of um, cognitive issue. Because he also didn't pass out, which is not standard with these guards. <laughs> it's not standard <laughs> protocol. <laughs> Something's not right. Hey, you yeah. fall asleep. <laughs> you pass out. Bayonet, door. Oh, that wasn't real. Uh. <laughs> Classic. Do you have any other small town tiles? Oh, uh, nope. That's a, pa- that's a Patreon. That's a Patreon episode. Do you have I, another small... Anything else? God no, damn I don't. All right. Uh, now we can drop into our um, final thoughts. We've presented the facts. It's time now to examine the evidence and give our theories. So pull up a chair for our final thoughts. <laughs> Science. Science. Do 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 All right. Hey, a lot of uh, in my dojo. Letting you go first. A lot of history. Uh, let's just talk though. Yeah, we're talking. A lot of history. Talk, talk, um, a lot of energy and uh, a lot of dark things that have happened at this place over the years. So, um, as we've seen with locations haunted before, it's a very um, strong driving force for paranormal supernatural energy mm-hmm. to manifest here specifically. Um, let's see, 10, we're going on damn near a thousand years of this fucking thing. Almost. It's uh, a lot of people walk through there. Uh, yes. A lot of people walk through there. A lot of people died there. Tragically. Yes. Um, and even like, even not just negative stuff, but um, just like, energy put into this location um even positive like people who lived out their days there with no issues and you know actually had apartments there and stuff like that it's just like a lot of energy put in this place so with that being said the thousand years of backstory that it has of course there's gonna be ghosts and shit there and especially with the stuff that has happened in its history so yeah i think definitely a hundred percent haunted 
Yes, I concur everything you just said. Dope. Uh, uh, you think all this energy, a lot of the negative stuff, got sucked? Sorry, got sucked into the walls, and that's why it's manifesting because there's an energy um, overload there, so it's easier to manifest ghosts, probably residual or smart. Yeah, like I said, I, I think there's a shit ton of energy there. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think negative energy is this kind of just a general? I guess I'm playing with this thing. Sorry. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think negative energy um, opens some kind of doorway to negative entities? Um, or is it just energy is energy? Yeah, you got So I think that negative entities only in the way of troubled entities not so much like demonic um like i think with that man bear that you were talking about like Mm, if if he uh if i would chalk that up to this guy had some kind of illness um take that out of the equation that's the only like random demonic type one really right and the rest of them are just tragic um mostly tragic ghosts um so i think negative energy only by means of tragedy um, so what uh, about you said about um, was it King George's armor? Yes, King Henry the Eighth. Oh, sorry, King Henry's armor. You said yeah. it felt like a demonic, evil, a dark, evil presence. Yeah. yeah, but that also could be um, just Henry in his later years. Henry, he was he was After dark, his aggressive. CTE. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. So I think it's I, I think this specific type of hauntings that they have there is only negative by means of tragedy. Okay. This is going to be the takeaway statement. Gotcha. Um, nothing to do with flights. Would you ever travel? Do you want to go see it? Yes. I, I was really I was really racking my brain around. Um, we did a lot of things in London. Uh, saw a lot of cool ancient, not ancient, but um, historical things. But I believe we only wa- saw it from the outside. We never went in, which um, really is disappointing to me because I, looking back, and I really would have loved to have gone in there now. Um especially knowing some of this stuff, which back then I knew a lot of it. But um, if taking flights out of the equation, a thousand and five percent, I would be there. Can I no. put you into no. an induced coma? No. So you don't know what the fuck's happening? No. Damn it. No. Don't worry, I'd have to go overseas too, that means. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's water, open water does not do good with me, so flying over open water is the issue, not the flight. Yeah, because you go down and nobody can find you, and then what if you're just sitting there in a fucking shit? You're at every every sentence you're saying is adding three right. years to my comfort level of being <laughs> of letting it in. <laughs> letting what in? The, the, the notion of flying. Oh, sorry, uh, I'm not trying to convince you to actually fly, but you have, which have. means there's a possibility that someday you might. Yeah, uh, the way to and from Mexico, I. Spent a lot of money on the mini bar at the at the airport and in, in, on the flight. My guy, do what you got to do, all right? Do what you got to do. I had to. <laughs> Did you take any of the, um? What, what's that, that medicine you can take? The Tramamine? That's for motion, though. Um, I don't know other ones. Something that's relaxing. Anything that's relaxing. I did not. Give you some volume. Took a shit ton of alcohol. I thought you were about to say took a shit. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? I took multiple of those. <laughs> I found uh, many bathrooms in the airport. You have a nervous stomach, too. I have a very nervous stomach. So you're Before <laughs> track meets, I needed to find bathrooms. Oh, yeah. I remember those days. I usually had to, like, piss or something during track meets. Yeah. And then I would just start running 
and be completely fine, and then just go. Yeah. I'd win. I'd fucking destroy them for anymore. hours and hours and hours. I would get super nervous for a f- <clears throat> fifty-one second uh, race. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was... Oh, that's how fast you ran the 100? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so funny! <laughs> you ran you ran the 451 seconds? 51 too. Ooh, you were close to me, but you didn't get it. Yeah. You were just a little off. <laughs> no, anyways. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh... What were we talking about? Flying. I don't know. Nervous Flying. stomachs. Oh, yeah. Uh, alcohol, that that got me through it. Gotcha. I mean, if I wish I drank, because then when I would go on dates and I get that nervous stomach and then... It didn't go away, though, like track meets or anything you're nervous with when you're on a date. Mm. You should have just drank alcohol for the first time. Hey. <laughs> He's a Here to run. <laughs> Here uh, to run. I was talking about a date, not run. <laughs> I was in high school. <laughs> okay. You're oh, right. Yeah, you're Teenagers right. don't drink in I'm high sorry. school. I'm <laughs> sorry. I fucking forget that I'm the weird one. I didn't drink in high school. Scott's honor. That, that's not a scout. Whatever it was, I didn't. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, this has been a hell of a tangent. Yeah, a little bit. A lot of drinking and flying and crap in your pants. <laughs> Sums up us. <laughs> that is. But on that bombshell, Lennon, Mr. Lennon, who loved to listen to Paul McCartney on the way over. That's King Lennon, the first. Thank you. Yes, and that's Duke of Riley. No. Duke of Riley. That's Lord Josh to you. Duke Lord of Riley. Lord Josh, Duke of Lego. Lego. Duke of Lego. Uh, Len, anyways, why don't you just throw them to the outro so we can get off these tangents. Ladies, gentlemen, and squatches, once again, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast. If you're enjoying our show and want to show some love, hop over to our Patreon, where you can dive into our treasure trove of exclusive bonus content and explore the multitude of perks we offer to our supporters. Explore our website, where our mysterious merch awaits. Pair it with our Patreon membership for a special discount on your purchase, because who doesn't love a good combo deal? There's lots of good stuff on there. Check it out. Connect to us on Facebook and Instagram, or send us an email at dtscast at gmail.com. We are always thrilled to hear from our incredible listeners. For a visual treat, check out our YouTube channel, where Josh crafts incredible video editions of our episodes. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. Links to everything can be found in our show notes. And hey, right now, while you're listening... I tell you every week, but why don't you just give it a shot this time? (laughs) Drop us a stellar five-star rating. Your support fuels our growth, ensuring even more fantastic content for your eager ears. That didn't sound right. Thank you for being a part of our cryptid, UFO, and spirit seekers coalition. Until our next encounter, keep exploring, and remember to stay curious, be vigilant, and don't touch my Sasquatch. Don't do it. He's pretending to be a man bear. Oh, shit. Oh, Lennon passed out. And this is empty. Just for decoration now. Refill, Jamie. Are we on air? Hey, big guy, how about another refill? <laughs> Are we on air? I gotta make sure it's not the blinking one. Hey, blinking. Master Robin. <laughs> What's your name? Oh, God. <laughs> What's your name? What you? Bless you. What's your name? I haven't seen a movie in forever. I took some time yesterday, and I watched Fast 9. Yeah. Because I haven't... I haven't seen it yet. They've gotten too, like, unrealistic for me to actually enjoy lately. Okay. They went to fucking space. Yes, they did. What the hell? With the duct tape, right? Yes, (laughs) and a car. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that'd make it. Fuck the ozone layer and (laughs) atmosphere and all that shit. They can do anything, and I...
Honestly, I love how wild it is. I will say, I, love I did that. not watch it though. I will say, I love that they made jokes about like, do you think we're superheroes? Like, we do all this stuff, we have no scratches on us. Really? They said that? That's <laughs> yeah. funny. My favorite one out of all of them is Fast Five. Mine is the By original. Far my favorite. Yeah, it'll still be your chess players. <laughs> I think I was in elementary school when it came out. <laughs> Not really. I think the first time I watched Fast and Furious was with you. I don't know. I used to love that fucking movie, so very possible. Yes. Or the Just Beautiful Dance. It's a Shenyun? <laughs> Is it Shenyun? <laughs> Fucking yeah. This is how we start the podcast off every time now. <laughs> this is how we roll. Copyright infringement. We only do three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> nah, I'm just going to start all that over again. <laughs> I was stumbling over every word. <laughs> I was like... It's like every word was a new word to me. I was like, what is it? What is happening? Every word was a new word. I don't know what's happening. To our, er, to our. It depends on what your definition of is, is. Was, God damn it, why do I keep wanting to say was? It's has. <laughs> I can't say has. Did you, did you write has or did you? I wrote has. Great. <laughs> I keep saying was. This is what happens when you wake up an hour ago. <laughs> Transition however you will. I'm out. Will do. Give me a second. Well, while you do that, I'm going to look for duckies. I'm this one, I'm looking at their letters right now. Oh, to find gotcha. some funny fucking shit in them. What does it mean when you say I want to kiss your duckies? Oh, it goes right to that. Did you find the letter? Slang referencing her breasts. Ah, wow. I've never called a woman's breast duckies before. Well, from now on, I shall. <laughs> I want to kiss her duckies. Mm, I feel rejuvenated with a history episode. <laughs> Josh, out! Oh, yeah, I gotta go out. Me too. Oh, my booty. <laughs> Every time. Good, I have bloopers now. <laughs> <laughs>